February 24th, episode 13. This is the Hezzy brought to you by basketballgods.net. All-star reserves, were they announced or were they leaked? Either way, we know who they are. Listen, man, I tried to warn the little nigga Trey. Told him cut his hair. I told him the shit was offensive. <laughs> nah, man. Um, I had a little inkling that Trey Young would would have would end up getting snubbed here by the coaches. And sure enough, he did. And ironically, last night I think he showed why he was left off this roster. Now, the Hawks record-wise aren't probably where they want to be. Um, under 500, so they're not, right? But they've had quite a bit of injury. But last night against the Cavaliers, you saw him late transition defense in a one-possession game. Did you see him let Bro just straight line drive him to the front of the rim for a dunk in the win? And you saw Solomon Hill losing his mind. Like, what are you doing? He didn't even flop. He didn't even try to put up a shoulder. He just looked at the dude and he cut through him like butter dunks the ball. So the game's not over. He heads back down the court and his internal clock is off. It's one thing for, you know, Cam Reddish and his internal clock to be off. But Trey Young has been a point guard with the ball in his hands since he was five, six years old. And so he, he doesn't even get a shot off. He passes the ball, a bounce pass at that, and it's too late. They don't even get a shot off to answer and the Hawks lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so... I think, you know, big picture for Trey, I think it's a good thing. He needs this because as good as he is offensively, when you watch him defensively, it's pathetic. It's pathetic. You know, it, it's very D'Lo-like. It's very D'Angelo Russell-like, only he's even smaller. But there's just a lot of possessions where you're like, bro, you aren't trying at all. You just stand in there. And as the leader of that team, the all-star, the max player, not an all-star yet, right? I'm not saying you got to be locked down. You got to show effort. I had brought that up early in the season. He's got to set the tone for that team because they've got guys that can defend, but how? What? what's their ceiling if their leader doesn't? In the West, Devin Booker, look, he's going to get Anthony Davis's spot. Devin Booker's going to get Anthony Davis's spot. And it it kind of speaks to how much respect Chris Paul has around the league because Devin Booker is the best player on that team, but... The coaches understand what Chris Paul means to the team and so kind of giving him the nod and the the respect that he he deserves, that's fine, but Book, Book will get in with that AD spot. So I don't really have too much to complain about the snubs. You could bring up Sabonis. I, I'm not saying they don't have the right to feel like they shouldn't be on there, but I don't think you can really argue in anybody else's spot, right? Like, that's fine. There's always going to be someone left out, but there, there, it wasn't one of those def defiant things where I think the only guy that has a real case is Devin Booker, but the irony is he would be pushing out his teammate. Let's get into the games last night, some of these games last night. The Milwaukee Bucks spoiled the coaching debut of Chris Finch, blowing the Timberwolves off the floor 139 to 112. Do you remember when Giannis dunked over Tim Hardaway Jr. in New York in Madison Square Garden. It was a transition play, and he literally jumped over Tim Hardaway Jr. And so sure enough, the clip goes viral, and Giannis 
being the respectful dude that he is, he's such a respectful cat, he legit asked ESPN to stop running the clip. You know, he's just, he's just a humble dude, right? So Giannis is about as respectful a player as it gets as far as the, the superstars go in the league. I'm watching him against Minnesota last night, and even Giannis is giving Cat the stank face stare down. Man, the, what a rough time for Carl Anthony Towns. But it just goes to show you, like, the mentality that everybody has against this Wolves team. That something has to change with them. They, there's going to have to be some. I don't know what they can do this year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's rough going over there. It's rough going over there. What else happened out east? That Sixers-Raptors rematch. The Sixers took care of business 109-102. to And Toronto, they did a really good job on Embiid, who, what was he, like 3 of 13 on the night? And so I went back and I looked at all his offensive catches, or shot attempts, I should say. And, you know, Toronto, they did a very good job in mixing up the coverage. Early on, they were sending the double right on the catch. And then sometimes they were waiting for the first dribble. Other times, it was late, right? After the spin move or the initial move, then it was late help. And that's what you got to do against an elite advanced player like that. You can't just keep sending it with the same pattern. They're going to pick up on the pattern and make the reads too easy. And so they did a great job with that. But unfortunately for them, Moss hit five threes. I think he hit four of them in the first quarter. And that you know, ultimately, that was the unaccounted for offense that Philly got and was really the difference maker. But I think as far as Toronto goes, they were on a four-game winning streak. They've obviously righted the ship. I think what we're seeing is, Nick Nurse is the best coach in the NBA. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, that's what I see. Watching the late game on TNT, Denver and Portland, they're always in barn burners, those two division rivals, right? Jim Jackson has been working the TNT telecast lately. And for me, he's the best former player on any of the big networks. I'm not talking about like local telecasts. I can't I can't fully judge all of those. But Jim Jackson, he he is he's what Chris Webber wants to be, right? Smooth, cool, informative. <laughs> and uh he was talking about Jokic's aggression, right? You probably heard the stat line now. 4 of his 12 career 40-point games have come like this month. For Jokic, it's much like what I just said about Harden earlier in the week. This is what we wanted to see. I was a doubter. Call me a hater. I didn't believe in Jokic as a superstar. There was ver there's various reasons for that, but one of the main ones was he was just too willing to fall back. As gifted as he was offensively, I didn't think he was aggressive enough. It was like, dude, you need to dominate. You're standing around letting Will Barton put up 20 shots, bro. Like, you got to take more shots. And now... The unintended consequences of this roster being decimated by injury, it's forced Jokic to be the aggressive guy that we've all been wanting him to be. And you see all, you're seeing all these 40 pieces being hung by the Joker. And so I think for Denver, long term, it may be a blessing in disguise as, as long as this, this roster can get healthy. Because they've, they've kind of stumbled into some things here. I'm talking about coaching, Mike Malone, he's probably top five in my book. They bring in Compazzo, who... You know, you don't want to bring in the stereotype uh, comparisons, but tell me he's not the new J.J. Barea. The little dude has the juice. He's a complete pesk, 
all over the floor, creating turnovers and havoc. He shoots 40% from three. And then, oh yeah, you can't back him down. He's a fire hydrant, right? I think that was really the question. Is he too small? Is he too much of a defensive liability? Now he puts up a lot of fight. Now guys can shoot over the top of him, right? There is, there is some limitations there, but he's so strong, aggressive, and confident that I think he's a nice piece for them moving forward. And then how about the kid from Arizona, Zeke Najee? I was really impressed in that game last night. He was switched out on Dame late a lot, and he more than held his own. Under the context, Damian Lillard rolled his ankle last night in Phoenix. I had talked about that, right? So I don't think Dame was all the way right on the back end of a back-to-back, but hey, when you've got a six foot ten power forward that can switch out on above the three-point line like that, that's a valuable asset. So out of the handful of disappointing supposed contenders or, or playoff teams, I think Denver is going to be all right. Now, Boston, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Boston and Denver are kind of in the same category right now. But like, you know, within the context, I think Boston has a lot more to be worried about, to be honest with you, because it seems like much more of long-term problems. And you saw Luka with the sidestep game winner that knocked the Celtics team below 500. And look, I think Boston is going to make a significant trade. We're headed in here to trade season. Is there one to be made? You know, I talked about yesterday, Bradley Beal probably off the table. I think we're going to see Danny Ainge pull the trigger on something here because it's no longer like, uh, it's becoming more and more disappointing. And again, I understand injuries, Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, that's a long-term problem. The chemistry seems to be off. So expect a move from Danny Ainge and these Celtics. Speaking of TNT though, they had the B unit in last night and Wade. Candace and Shaq. I love Candace Parker as a hooper and as a woman. I really do. But I'm starting to question her decision making. First, Sheldon Williams, and now she's wearing church hats in the studio. <laughs> like, she's fine, man. She's fine. I'm not feeling the church hats from Candace, though. That, that, that is. That is weird. That's a weird look. I get maybe the the wig ain't sitting right or what it is, but she got they got to take care of her. Don't let her roll out there in no church hats like that. Nah, man, but real talk, I am concerned with Shaq. He's a living legend, one of the best personalities in the NBA ever. And a lot of people have put on weight during this pandemic. It's completely understandable, but Shaquille O'Neal is a giant. And so he needs to keep that shit under control. He's looking really big eking towards 50 and being a giant. I just want Shaq to be around as long as possible because he's so damn funny, man. He's so damn disrespectful. You know how he throws out the the ridiculous player comps during the highlights? Listen to him. Listen to him talking about Will Barton and then Jokic. It's Michael Porter Jr. Oh, get mm. Barton. Barton. Looking like Eddie Jones. <laughs> Will- Bags. Bags. <laughs> 9.7 rebounds for Barton. Michael Doliak. No, no, sir. So disrespectful, man. So disrespectful. But it's tongue-in-cheek. And, 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 and not everybody could get away with it. Shaq can. I love him for it. Let's talk a little Knicks-Warriors here. Before I get into the actual matchup, rumors started to swirl yesterday about Kristaps Porzingis. I had ironically had talked about, I think he's washed. So you know how I feel about him. And the funny thing was, Dallas Mavericks fans had a trade proposal of Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and the Minnesota pick for Perzingis, Josh Green, and James Johnson. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. 
I'll, here's what I'll say about it. I wouldn't trade one of those pieces for Porzingis. That's just me, though. That's just me. Now, this Knicks-Warriors game, the Warriors obviously coming off two bad losses. They head to New York, and they get the return of their big men, both Kavon Looney and James Wiseman back in the lineup. Steph, back after the bubble guts in Charlotte. Dell, I know what you did. Um, and, you know, they go against this Knicks team who had beat them in San Francisco last month with their defense, and they grinded it out. Actually, the Knicks had a huge offensive game against them. And I want to talk a little bit about Wiseman and his return. And the left wrist is still taped. Mind you, he hurt his wrist on a lob. They, 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 were, they were throwing him lobs just way too much. And his timing, he, he's just not great at catching lobs. He's not great at timing them. And I think you noticed right away, they threw him one early. Steph threw him one, and he came down with it. He caught it like kind of out of his out of his catch radius. He, he extended, came down with it, and went back up. And I was like, okay, cool, cool. Because he, he needs to do that more often. And then you saw Draymond hit him with a backdoor bounce pass. Dunks that. And so I think what the Warriors and Wiseman are realizing is like, we don't need to throw him lobs. Like he, he has good enough hands and he's athletic enough. He can catch it at the waist or even below, gather, and he's big enough to still finish. And you saw a couple back doors and cuts being made from Wiseman. Very limited action, but 14 points in 16 minutes. The encouraging thing is you could see that He's learned the offense while he sat and watched these three weeks. You can tell he has a letter of uh, he has a better feel for the offense of when to cut and use gravity. And then just as important is the Warriors understanding like you don't have to throw him a lob every time. Right. And, and he seems much more comfortable catching a bounce pass or a pocket pass. And then it, al it, it allows him to be more dynamic with how he wants to finish. He had a really weird little spin hop and transition, but it was an encouraging night from both. Wiseman and Looney. Looney looked good sitting out those weeks with the ankle. He came in and did his non-numbers thing, right? And as far as the game goes, Derrick Rose comes out in the first half and he's just going off. He's leading the Knicks in scoring here. Julius Randle named to his first All-Star game. Congratulations. Well-deserved. And uh, so D. Rose is going off. And in the second half, he went ice cold. And Tibbs kind of stuck with him as he kept putting up brick after brick, after brick. And Derrick Rose is who he is at this point. Like, you kind of got to take him off the floor if he's not scoring, in my opinion. He's not really a playmaker. And you look at R.J. Barrett, and I think R.J. Barrett is, and I'm not saying he can't be, but I think he's going to have to be an elite defender to warrant, you know, where he was drafted and what New York wants him to be because I don't ever see the offense becoming what people want it to be, if that makes sense. But yeah, I thought quickly or Burks, or somebody else probably should have had those touches that Rose was taking late. And the game came down to it, though. New York fights and grinds. It was very ugly. There was, like, there was like eight points scored in the first 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. It was ugly, man. But there was a botched call down the stretch where uh, Tibbs challenged it, and they said there was hip-to-hip -hip contact. Was it on an Ubre dunk, I believe, or lay-in? And look, it was a bad call. That's what I thought. But New York fans, I'm, I, I don't have any sympathy for you because we, we just got done getting hosed in Charlotte. So, you know, such is life in the NBA. And then you saw Steph close out the game. He had, oh, yeah, by the way, he had like 37 points, something light, right? But what was kind of cool to see Steph at the end of the game was he used deception. He's coming down the court, and they're going to trap him at midcourt. And you saw him uh, turn his shoulders towards Draymond in the middle of the floor and then cross back over. So then he beats the trap. He's headed downhill into the paint. He's staring down the corner three-point shooter. 
and then whoop, he whips and drops it off to Ubre for the dunk. Ubre comes down, rips Randall as he's headed downhill, and that's game. Kelly Ubre, you want to talk about uh riding the ship, man. He's just he's been spectacular the last month. And it's so funny how things flip. Warrior fans, we went from how do we get rid of this guy to how are we going to keep this guy? Right? That, that's that's kind of how how quickly things can change around the league. Tonight, I'm curious to see what type of fight this Lakers team has against the Utah Jazz. We know they're chipped up. They've lost three in a row. LeBron's not tired. He's not tired, right? And so, you know, Laker Nation's expectations, you know, you don't want to lose four, even though it's against the Jazz. And then the Jazz seem like they are taking pleasure and really smacking the shit out of everybody. So uh, I got my eye on that one tonight. This is The Hez, brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, y'all.